You'll find the messianic messages fulfilled in Luke chapter 2. The prophet's promise is fulfilled. The audience, unlikely. Shepherds. Instead of palace halls and prominence, God picks the hillside peasants. And there, among the country shepherds, the scripture says, abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, an angel of the Lord comes upon them. And not just the angel of the Lord, but the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, someone say me, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign, this sign. What was the sign that would be to them? It was, it was a, well, you know, anytime the Bible speaks about a sign that would be shown, it was, it was very indicative of something. It was, it was a moment to take note of. It was something that you needed to pause. And if you had a bad memory, write it down. Jack, take a moment because you're not going to want to miss the sign. Here's your sign, shepherds. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. That, that makes sense. Why wouldn't a baby be wrapped in swaddling clothes? But, but the uniqueness of this moment... It was already unique. It was shepherds on a hillside that had got God's attention and angelic visitation. It was shepherds on a hillside that observed the glory of God come down among them. They were, no wonder they were afraid. But along with this baby that they were going to find out, that, that was unique in and of itself. A baby, a king that was a baby. Come on, why, why wouldn't he come with, uh, with stallions and chariots and and armed men and runners before and runners behind. Why, why would this king come as a baby in swaddling clothes? And then the scripture says lying in a manger. A manger. This truly is the most wonderful time of the year. And I don't know about your house. Maybe you've got everything all together. Kathy's a phenomenal housekeeper. I'll just say that up front. But even in our home, it's the messiest time of the year. It's the mess. It's, it just goes along with it. It's the, it's the time of the year of selling and shopping and seeking and wrapping and right and wrong. and Right or wrong, we go about the attempt of becoming the blesser, finding the right gift to give at the right time to honor those in our lives who mean so much to us. And in the midst of accomplishing that impossible task, somehow we still manage to carve out minutes that becomes moments that mean the most to us. It's shopping carts and parking lots and red lights. It's frosty windshields and snow to shovel. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's cold days and long, dark nights. It's boxes and paper and bags. And is there ever enough scotch tape? And where is the real wrapping paper that doesn't rip the moment it's coming off the roll? I just want to know. The gift boxes are too big, or maybe they're too small. It's a mess. It used to be limited to shopping hours and lines, but now it's online, all hours, trying to find the right thing. It's Amazon and eBay. It's checking the apps for times of delivery. Will it be in time, on time, or am I going to be out of time? It's our homes that become the Home Depot, the drop spot between store and the door of the people we love. It's gold glitter everywhere. What's that on your face? You have a little something right there. Yeah. 
It's Christmas. It's the mess. Can I, can I bring up Christmas? Should I bring up Christmas trees? Okay, let's take a vote. Every eye closed. Real versus artificial. All the real tree people in the room, raise your right hand. Fiercely outnumbered. We'll talk about why in just a moment. All the artificial tree people in the room, raise your left hand. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I'm convinced, I've got it right here. Real trees, mess. It's needles on the floor. Before, before we even get there, it's, it's, it's going to the tree lot or going to the tree farm. It's, it's finding the tree. It's, it's marching around the tree if it's still in the ground or it's turning the tree if it's not. It's clipping the cord and letting that tree unfold, feeling that snow. Have I already talked about this with all of you? <laughs> feeling that snow fall down the back of your neck while Kathy says, turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Putting that tree back and relinquishing it for the one that's down the aisle at the tree farm, tree store, tree lot, wherever you are. And eventually making your way back to the very first one because, it, you know, it, it, it's memories. It brings up memories of the mess. It's going with dad. Dad, dad didn't buy a tree. Dad found a tree when he was hunting. And then we go back to get it. It's Christmas memories, trudging through the woods. There was no chainsaw, just a good old distant saw. Gung, gung, gung. Cutting the tree down, throwing it on top of the car, and then getting home, and mom saying, turn it, turn it, turn it. It's those, those moments, just me it's messy, it's just a mess. It's, it's, it's the moments when the tree, <clears throat> I remember the real tree moments. I got messy. It's Kathy telling me, man, that, that tree is a thirsty tree. It's just drinking the water. To me, that, okay. Did what I didn't know, that Kathy was pouring liters of water in that tree basin. And I <clears throat> figured out where all that water was going the next time that I went downstairs. <laughs> wasn't going into the environment. It wasn't humidifying the house. Well, it was humidifying the house. So I think I found where all that water has been going, Kathy, not in the tree at all. There had been a crack in the bottom of the tree stand. and <laughs> I don't know if she thought the tree had a straw and was just sucking it right up through. Or... <laughs> liter upon liter of water. Just someone shouted a mess. It was just, just a mess. And, and it's not even much better, I'll tell you. We've had, so we moved to the artificial tree, saved our marriage. As a matter of fact, the artificial, the nice artificial tree, the nice seven-foot artificial tree that sat in front of the window, pre-lit, pre-lit artificial tree. No lights to wrestle with until a few years later you notice that the lights have stopped working and, and so now the pre-lit tree has lights strung around and, and that's still a little bit of a job. Kathy, she just does a great job with all that. She's got it all spun around and and uh, then all of the lights stop working, and, and she just negotiates that. You know, it's been a few years, so for the last few years, the tree, <clears throat> the tree lights haven't been working. She's made, made them work and made, 
you know, LED, I think we've gone from incandescent mini tree lights to the LED lights and oh, how, look how pretty, it's just so pretty and I, it's, it's amazing. I show up, it's beautiful, it's done, it's complete and now I love the artificial tree. Any, I think I know why you all had your left hand raised for artificial trees. This year, however, you know, my job is number one to find where we put the artificial tree. Last year, is it in the attic over top of the house? Is it over top of the garage? Is it in the garage? Is it in the shed? Where it's like hide and seek for a Christmas tree. And so this year I, I found the tree. It was over top of the garage and went out and got the tree down, passed it piece by piece to Kathy. And she said, where's the base? I said, I don't know. She said, this spring form tree it's been a good tree, but we need a new tree, Jack. It doesn't have a base. Well, to me, that's not a problem. <laughs> that's a challenge to solve. That's a challenge. She said, Jack, we need a new tree. I said, no, I think we can make this work. I don't, I don't know what I make per hour. But a tree would be cheaper. <laughs> Even if I did make $4 an hour. So with the challenge issued and accepted, off I went. I didn't know how. Had a few ideas, you know, I had the Charlie Brown idea in my mind. Can you just kind of stick a couple two-by-fours in the bottom and make this thing work? I don't know. Had some, had some hay bale wire in the garage, got that, because that's always a necessity when you face a challenge. Came back in the house, and <clears throat> on the way back into the house, I saw a milk crate there. Does that may come in handy? I think my first thoughts were, and I could get lost here, we could... I know we're coming on time, so long story short, an inverted milk crate with hay bale wire strung through to the base of the tree, no longer positioned in the center of the, center of the room, but in the corner just in case. <laughs> and in the words of Teresa Wilson, it has a slight lean to it. And I proudly agreed, yes, it does. <laughs> a nice little white blanket underneath conceals the red Baxter's crate that had the hole drilled in it and the tree drove through it into a piece of styrofoam to keep everything square. There it is. It's, it's, there's only one word for it. It's a mess. It's a mess. So out of the mess comes the miracle of Christmas. Out of everything that we do, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It still is. I love it. Challenges and trouble included. And why is it the most wonderful time of year? Because It's wonderful because of that one minute, that, that one moment that we have when the question is positioned and presented, why? Do we do all of this? What is this all about? What is it all about? It's, 
It's all about John chapter 3 and verse 16. And then verse 17. It's about a God that came. For God so loved the world that he gave. But he didn't stop there. It's the next verse that I find the words that impact me greatly. It's, it's the older and older that I get that the more I learn the three words of that next verse, they impact me. We all know John 3.16, but it's John 3.17 that it says, He came into the world. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Into our mess he comes. The mess of the world that we live in, terror attacks and train wrecks and murder and mayhem and corruption and corroboration and enemies and evil and just one word, sin. Our world has values flipped upside down. People focused on the planet that have completely forgotten about people. It's a mess. If God knew that we would become this, would he have changed his mind? Not, Not for a moment because God knew. He knew and he still came. And the mess is probably the most powerful part of the first message that came. The prophets had told that he would come because of our connection to kingship. They couldn't understand, so he underlined and emphasized and reminded them that he, he realized what was going to be the thing that was unbelievable, Micah 5.2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old. From everlasting, that God was going to come into the mess of Bethlehem. That God was going to show up. He was going to He was going to be there in the middle of all of our trouble and in the middle of all of our trial. And, and part of the most powerful part of the message is the fact that the mess was in the middle of the message, but it didn't slow God down. He still came amongst His people to reach us, to touch us, to touch. Come on, to save us. That is why He came. The prophets had said that he would come. Could, 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 we change, could we just for a moment go back, back past all of our preconceived premises, past our mental images of the sweet little ceramic nativity scenes? Could we go back to a senseless census and why God would make sweet little Mary be the, in the third trimester when they are called to go back to Bethlehem? Couldn't he have planned that a little better? No. It had to be a mess. It's not fair. None of it's fair. If, you're, if you, like some people, are looking forward to December 26th more than December the 25th, I know that Mary can relate. She's in that third trimester on her way to Bethlehem, crowded roads. Picture it with me. Just, come on, get your imagination going. Uh, crowded roads, winter chills, mandatory trip with little margin and little money for anything to happen. It's Mary on her way to Bethlehem. Luke tells us, verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Now, if it isn't bad already, this is the reason why they went. To be taxed. What? Can God really use Revenue Canada? To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child 
And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the middle of the mess because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the middle of all of that, God came. God came. Can we just pause and thank God for a moment that he came in the middle of all? There, there's a million reasons why it should have happened different. There's a million reasons why it could have been in a better place. But in the middle of that mess, God came. God God pushed Mary beyond the limits. He shoved Joseph into the midst of an uncomfortable position and place. But in the middle of that entire mess, God came. He came into this world to reach and to save and to redeem and to help. That is the reason that God God comes today. The mess in the middle of the message, that message that came, it was... It was Mary, no doubt she was wishing. She was back home, no, no doubt she, she was wishing that it would, would be under normal circumstances, that, that her pregnancy would have happened after her marriage. Now there's questions and people are, are so upset in the midst of her conservative family, they, they don't have a proper explanation. They've just got to say, you're just going to have to trust this crazy story that we have. We've got dreams going, we've got stories going, we've got a pregnant lady with, with a, a confused husband and a husband-to-be. And, and, and I just tell you, it's, it's just, it's just a mess. Mary didn't understand it. And now you've got the, the reality that the stall becomes the place for the birth of Christ. If you've ever doubted the love of God, it's here in the mess of the manger. Just look at it with fresh vision with me this morning. It's Joseph scurrying around. He's boiling water. He's piling up and packing down the hay. He's got Mary in pain. The promise is coming. It's a mess. He's doing everything he can to clean it up, but God's coming nevertheless. And, and with sheep as her witness and Joseph as the midwife, God robed himself in flesh and he came. And in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of how crazy it all is, in the midst of it all, it, it makes sense because that's the God that we serve. He comes in the middle of our mess. If it had only been to the nursery of princes, marbled halls and medical attendants, professionals, incubators insulating Mary and Joseph and the coming king from everything around them, that promise would have isolated us. But the kingdom swung wide open on a stable door in Bethlehem so he could include us. There was no room in the inn because he doesn't dwell in temples, but he dwells in hearts. It's true. In the middle of the mess, we find the message. You can read about it in Matthew's genealogy. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Ferris, of, Ferris and Zerah of Tamar. Remember Tamar? She played the part of a harlot. Remember that? You can read about it in scripture. She played the part of a harlot. Worse is that Judas took her up on her offer. And now his daughter-in-law becomes mother to his children. It's, it's, it's a mess. It's Rahab the harlot in the genealogy. It's, it's the mess of a king taking another man's wife, Uriah. It's just all a mess. It's a mess all the way through to, 
to find it. You just have to read that, that first chapter of Matthew. You, it's all there outlined. We would have written it different. We would have excused some parts. We would have stepped over it. We would have, uh, we would have protected our, our heritage, our history, our past. Our, but that's not God. That's not how God works. God included the mess in the middle of the message. Why? Because somebody here in the room a few thousand years later would say, my life, uh, this doesn't apply to me. My life is in a mess. But for that very reason, God includes it and God comes because he wants someone to know, I can handle your mess. I can handle the mess that life has delivered you, your fault or not your fault. I can handle that mess. I'm coming. As a matter of fact, that's where I'm comfortable. I come in the middle of messes just like yours. God comes in the middle of messes just like ours when we're broken, when we have nowhere else to turn, when, when we have nothing left, when everything has just been stripped away. We have, we have just, oh, it's just a mess. But in the middle of that mess, God comes. We can come back to the music this morning. It's in the prayer journal of David. The psalmist asked the question, Psalm, 1, or Psalm 11, verses 3 to 4. He said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? He answers his own question with a proclamation. He said, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. His point is unmistakable. When everything is shaking around you, when everything's a mess, God remains unshaken if you read the book it's one mess on top of another just just think through it with me let's go to genesis don't eat of the tree <laughs> mess we we can't do this without making we can't do this any better than the lemons can do christmas we just make a mess we can't do this. Humanity, you can't do it. It's, it's a mess. But, but in the middle of that, you can't, I like this, you can't spell message without mess. Profound. You can't. God refuses to bring the message without the mess. God is in his holy temple. Don't worry. You can't shake him. You can't confuse him. You can't upset him. He just knows. The question is, let's take it a step further. Can you find the me in the middle of the mess or the message? Because me is in there too. Someone say, it's for me. I know we're in first grade. Word find. How many words can you find out of message? I got age. I stepped right over that one, left us all alone. But I sure hope that you can find yourself in the because you're there. No wonder he came to the shepherds on the hillside. Luke 2.11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Someone say that means me. You're you say, well, I'm so far removed. I'm not religious. I don't have a background that you've got. I, I, I got like one third of the story. I got, I got the Christmas message. I know, I know what you celebrate for this season. 
Can I just tell you that you're here in the middle of that entire message? Your name may not be written here, but it's well known by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you are, your mess is the reason he came. I wonder if you'd stand together with me. I, I do feel the help of the Holy Ghost this morning. And as tremendously simple as this message is today, it's incredibly important for the one whose life is in a mess. And I'd just like us to pause for a moment. We've got a baptism this morning. I'm excited about it. But I wonder if you just pause for a moment. We don't even have to raise our hands, but I wonder if you would bow your head. And I wonder if you begin to talk very, you, you may have been in this for dozens of years, decades, and things are in a mess today. God knows exactly where you are. And God comes in the middle of your mess with a message of hope this morning. Would you pray together with me, Jesus? God, that name is more than a curse word and a swear word. It's God, it's that name that you, God, that you allowed Joseph to identify us with the hope that you brought to us. Yeshua, Joshua, Savior, Deliverer, that's who you are this morning. And you're here in this room. Oh, we sung about you being the rock, a sure foundation, sturdy, steady, certain in uncertain times. God, in the midst of the messes that may be in the room this morning, I, God, I'm asking on behalf of others here that you would move in, take up residence, God. God, the hope that was once delivered in a stable wants to deliver hope to someone in the room this morning. It's a simple message, but God is bringing hope to somebody today. That's it. If you have the gift of the Holy Ghost, I wish you'd just release that for a minute. If you just want to pray and intercede on someone else's behalf, but I'm going to open the altar this morning because... We all have messes that need cleaned up. It may be a temporary mess or it may be a mess that's just been in the works and at work in your life for a while. But, but I'm inviting someone to come because God wants to intervene. And, and we've got some folks that would love to pray with somebody that, that needs God to move in the middle of your mess. God can straighten it out today. I'm going to ask if they'll raise the screen and we're going to begin to sing. And as many as could come, because you may not, you may not feel like this message is for you, but, but God may need you to help pray for someone who, who very, very directly needs the help of God right now. So it's a universal call. I'm going to ask that you all come as we begin to sing. But I'm going to ask that you find someone nearby and you begin to pray with them, because God's about ready to clean up someone's messes.